think that we we want to sort of pull back from these extremes and kind of come together in the middle here. Um, also, right now, men feel like they don't have a voice at all. Like we should really be more of a collective, um, together thing. I don't think we solve problems by, you know, men feeling like I have to shut up. I can't say nothing because if I say something, I'm going to be, I'm I'm a sexist. I'm anti-feminist. I'm 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 whatever. But I I still have my struggles too, right? So this is this is really. Silver bullet solution to sexual harassment, right. and I was well, that won't work because you have to read people. You have to figure out where people's boundaries are. That actually takes a little bit of effort. Like, why am I getting all ready in the morning and do my hair and face and everything if nobody can pay me a damn compliment? Just press foreplay. My loves, welcome back to another episode of Just Press Foreplay. I am your host, Susie, and this week we have a very, very exciting episode for you. We have Bobby Badoshka. She is an accidental author, um, but about to accidentally step her way into being an author of three new books. Um, Her first book, Sexual Intelligence in Business, is now out, and her and I have a really awesome discussion on this episode just about all things sexual energy self-empowerment, all kinds of stuff. So please, please enjoy and be on the lookout for her two new books that will be coming out in the near future. Obviously, they are just baby ideas right now, but I am so inspired by this woman and I hope you are inspired as well. Before we get into those goods, this week's episode is brought to you by Neutralite. Less stress, more yes gummies. If you're feeling stressed, take a couple mango lemon flavored gummies. They can help you chill without any artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners. The amino acid L, I'm going to spell this for you because I can't pronounce it, T-H-E-A. N-I-N-E, go do your research, and Calming Botanical Lemon Balm. Team up to ease down, forget the occasional stress, and feel the yes. These are vegetarian, gluten-free, dairy-free, and soy-free. They are free of peanuts, tree nuts, egg, high fructose corn syrup, shellfish, and crustaceans. I love these gummies. They're super yummy. I have to stop myself from eating more than two a day, but when I'm feeling the beginning of stress where your tight, your chest is tightening and you're like, Ugh, is this about to happen to me? Pop two of those, forget about it, and I'm good for the day. When you sign up as a customer, there's all kinds of benefits. This particular product will get you 33 perk points, and as always, orders of $100 or more get you free shipping. When you go to our website, justpressforeplay.com, J-U-S-T-P-R-E-S-S-F-O-R-E-P-L-A-Y, you will see the affiliate links on the top right corner. There's Patrick's shop and then there's Susie's shop. Take your pick. Either one is just fine. Both of them show that you guys love the show, that you support what we're doing, um, and you'd like to hear more from us. So you don't have to buy anything right away. Sign up as a customer and just kind of dabble into some of the reviews on the products. See what else is available that works for you. Everything on here have been in our household for years. So you can even ask me what my personal opinion on any of these are. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode because I am so, so excited, honored, and privileged to have been able to have this conversation with Bobby. And I'm even more excited to get to share it with you all. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome. We are listening to Just Press Foreplay, and today we have Bobby Bedoshka, um, wonderful woman of power. A lot of exciting business uh, ventures that you have going on and have had in your past. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, sure. So thank you, Susie, for having me on your podcast. Um, yeah. So what do I do? I do a bunch of things. So I'm author of Sexual Intelligence for Business, um, my recently published book. And then um, I'm also a venture associate for a tech incubator. I am the founder of my own company, Imagine Ideation. And I mean, besides like I'm a board member of stuff and advisors of stuff and we won't bother listing all of that there. But yeah, that's basically what I get up to. Plus I'm mother also. (laughs) Probably the most exciting part for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Imagine Ideation, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So it's, um, we're purposely vague. Like if you go to our website and you read what we do, facilitation, consultation, um, we move ideas forward. That's basically our motto. We do that in various ways. Like we originally started um, the company because of events. So we wanted to be doing 
um, strategic events, not sort of like random events, very much um, purpose-driven with a strategy in mind. Um, Cause we always felt like some of the networking events were just a bit random and then you kind of walk away. Like, I'm not so sure that that was a good use of my time. Right. Uh, and same with business events and conferences. Um, so rather than just sitting around listening, um, we wanted more to strategically get people more engaged. And also people aren't always comfortable networking. So having actual connectors on site that like pull you over here and oh, kind of facilitate everything. Hating all of that. Um, but then COVID happened. And so we just kind of pivoted to do the same idea of doing that, um, but in a virtual sense. So we, we do do a virtual events as well. Like we don't, we're not a platform. So we just go get whatever platform people want to use. Um, but we help facilitate that. Um, but we also help social enterprise and nonprofits with communication strategies, social media, um, operational strategy, um, even sometimes recruitment. So just kind of like whatever it is that they need. Um, mm-hmm. We have large tentacles within the community. So it's kind of like, tell me what you need and I will find it for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I love when I was doing some research on just everything about you, I just love that it's kind of um, purpose driven. It's not just information. Okay. Go ahead and have fun with this, but there's actually things that you can grasp and hold on to and be like, okay, I can do that. I can do that. I can move forward. And that's kind of like the idea I got from what's in your book, even though I haven't had the privilege of reading it yet, but it's more like, would you agree with that? Is it kind of like gives people something to go with? Yeah. I mean, the, the book is a whole different, um, a whole different subject matter, right? right. but the, what you should be walking away from the book is, um, information about how, um, how you can use sex and navigate sex in business and the workplace. Um, you know, even for, there's a, a lot of information about, from both sides. So, you know, from the, from the female perspective, from the male perspective, as far as, you know, identity issues. And, you know, if I'm not the breadwinner, um, you know, what am I doing now? It's like, if there's, if women are advancing, I, where's my place in this world kind of things. There's some struggle um, there um, on top of the fact that, you know, there's a lot of sexual harassment, which is also an issue. We need to start figuring out how to navigate um, um, that stuff too, without completely eliminating the fact that people actually meet and build relationships and office romance, like most, more than 50% of people actually meet their partners at work or in business. So that is happening. That's going to continue to happen. Um, But how do we do that in a way that, because right now everyone's kind of a bit uncomfortable, like, okay, I don't know, what can I do when, what can I say if I like a person, what do I do about that without risking, like, you know, you know, getting into, into trouble and stuff. So, so there's that. Um, of course, there's real, real sexual harassment cases, which need to be dealt with in a different way. Right. Um, but you sort of want to figure out how can, how can we have both of these things going on in a, in a way that, you know, works well. Yeah. Um, and then there's just the general um, sense that actually you can use sex to enhance your business um, because it produces neurochemicals that um, can get you into a flow state or a state of mind that makes you more productive and more creative. Um, and so if you, if you just Google flow state, I mean, there's lots of, lots of stuff about it, but what it really is, is it's, um, it's kind of like runner's high. Um, you know, when you're yeah. doing, uh, you get this sort of extra sensation. So sex is a trigger to get you into a state um, where like even the U S uh, the U S Navy uses this to train their Navy SEALs and, and things like that. So you can learn a language instead of six months and six weeks. Um, some people have credited like their most genius ideas while being in a flow state. Um, and so it's, you can be ultra productive, ultra creative. Um, and beyond that, there's actually tons of health benefits yeah. to having sex, like tons. Um, it's anti-aging. Um, it's, it just helps with a lot of, you know, feminine issues, um, getting some stagnant energy out, <laughs> get a flow going. People think, Oh, I have a headache. I don't want to have sex, but actually it cures headaches. Um, and so there's like also exponential benefits that we continue to, I mean, beyond the fact that also it's good for you to do sexual health is important. Self-love is important. Helps right. your relationship. Um, so yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, so why but- do you think, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, why do you think there's such a strong taboo around sex? Because, you know, it is something that is 
in us. It creates us, you know? So why are we so stuck with being afraid of tapping into it? Yes. It's, I think it's maybe it's, it's an artifact actually from the past where, I mean, there's some religious factors in there. Um, there, there's some theories about, you know, when, when industrialization came around that they really wanted to, um, like, I'm not sure how diabolical it was if they all sat around a table and came up with this idea, but it made more sense to promote marriage, um, because it kept you sort of organized, right? Um, wanted people to go to work into the factories, do your job, don't be distracted, um, and then go home and, you know, be, quiet and be, you know, obedient and then keep going back to work and pay your taxes and, and, and do all of that. They didn't want people, you know, getting, getting ideas about creativity and, you know, like, um, right. this is, this is what industrialization kind of meant. Like they needed workers to be sort of, you know, organized. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even just focus. It's just like, go to work and get it done kind of thing. Um, so there's, there's that. And there was, of course, there's historical, um, taboos. And I, I think that, I think we're in a phase now where we're coming out of that. There's a lot more, um, but the, yeah, there, there is something very bizarre, um, about the, um, it's like two sides of the, of the same coin. So we at once talk about sex as if it's taboo and, and it's secrets in the dark, but yet it's really not like it's right. in it's on TV, it's in magazines, it's everywhere. We are actually constantly talking about it. Right. Every day, someone mentions something about something. And now, you know, just because we're talking about sexual harassment doesn't mean we're not, we're still talking about sex. That Right. That, so even if it's the, the dark side of things, um, we still talk about it, constantly talking about it, um, especially when you have, um, you know, the LGBTQ2 plus sort of revolutions over time, this also is implicated in sex, um, your gender and, and your preference, um, your body parts, like we're, we're just constantly talking about it. So it's even, it's even funny that we kind of still say that it's taboo. It's actually not. We're just constantly talking about it. Right. It is always being talked about. And I find it funny because I feel like for some people who say they don't talk about it, it's more of a secrecy. Like they do explore the topic. They just don't explore it with other people. It's more just with themselves or, you know, with porn or yeah. 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 Exactly. Talk about it with select people. Mm -hmm. Uh, they pick and choose the people that they're comfortable with. Um, and of course there's different environments where that's deemed inappropriate, um, to discuss, uh, things of that nature. But yeah, I, I, I might argue that the fact that people deem it inappropriate is the exact reason why people are afraid to speak out against sexual harassment. Yeah. Yeah. I find, I also find that when people talk about it being inappropriate, it's more that they're uncomfortable with the topic rather than it being more inappropriate. It's just, they don't know how to communicate with it. Yeah. And then we have a sexual education issue also. Yeah. Um, that, Sexualized that, as the education, I feel like is what they're trying to push right now. And it's a very scary, scary thought. <laughs> yes. I mean, so it kind of starts early, right? The whole, we don't want to talk about it thing starts early, but like the kids still talk about it. So yeah. And yeah. I remember being young as a child, like, you know, sneaking around the corner because I know I'm not allowed to watch the movie that's on TV and I'm supposed to be in bed. So like, we're still exposed to all of these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't disagree with those sort of age appropriate subjects mm -hmm. um, that, but nonetheless, there's, there is plenty of, thank goodness for the internet now, very suitable, well-structured sex education platforms online um, that, you know, parents and others should become more aware of because you can't rely on schools at this point. Yeah, no. <laughs> or their friends, which is even worse. <laughs> it's worse, right? Or porn for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually have a really funny story. So my little brother, he's, he's kind of a unique character because he, um, he's 18 now, but he's always kind of like when there's movies on TV where women are over-sexualized or something like that, instead of stopping and watching, he would always make these comments of like, why are they doing that? Why is, why are their butts out? Like when he was four years old and now he's like, I'm blown away at his ability to process how women are behaving 
based off like their self-esteem. Do you think that there's a correlation with um, self-esteem and how comfortable people are talking about sexuality? Oh, well, there's definitely a correlation um, because I think anyone who might have some self-esteem issues might um, have many issues um, in discussing a multitude of topics, but I think it actually can go both ways. So there's the, the side of someone who, you know, might be a little bit shy to speak, you know, to speak publicly regardless. They just mm-hmm. aren't one that wants to talk in a crowd um, or to voice their opinions, regardless of the topic, certainly not about sex. And then there's the others that overcompensate. Um, so for the girls that I guess, some do it because they like it. Um, they like how they feel when they dress sexy and others do it because they feel like if I don't do this, I'm not going to get the male attention that I like. And I won't, you know, I won't stand out and nobody will look at me like I'm pretty, um, or stuff like that. And if I don't do this sexual act, you know, he won't like me. Um, and so there there's, that's also, that's a huge problem. Um, it's, I think it's hard to differentiate the two um, from the outside. And it's also, I think someone, um, once you get a little bit older, you might look back and say to yourself, yeah, I dressed like that because I was trying to get a- attention, not mm-hmm. because you know, I really loved wearing short skirts. It's just that that got me the attention over you know, some other girl who was wearing you know, a buttoned up shirt. Um, but then you learn over time that there's a certain, there's a good attention and there's a not so good attention. Um, You know, not to say that again, you know, if you are um, showing skin, that that's an invitation, um, you know, for for sexual advances, but nonetheless, it does does get attention and Mm -hmm. sometimes the wrong way. Yeah, so um, like with, because I love that you use the word intelligence because it kind of, it removes the idea of being manipulative with your sexuality, but instead just having an awareness of what you're bringing in and what you're putting out. So, you know, it's not so much of like, this is correct or this is not correct, but it's more of like intellectually what is correct for you and what you're trying to get. Um, So is there, because I don't know how old your kids are, but is there something that you're doing to kind of like help them learn in a way that you weren't able to learn or in a way that you would have liked to learn about your sexuality and, you know, harnessing all of that? Well, I mean, my kids are a bit young. They're six and eight. Okay. Uh, But one thing that I've always done is I've not hidden my body. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm not, I don't demonstrate to my daughter that I'm ashamed of my body. So it's, it's not that I'm walking around the night house naked all the time, but when I'm dressing and they're there, it's like nothing, right. you know, uh, you know, we've, we've showered together, we bath together, we do all sorts of things together. And there's, so there's no body shaming. Right. Uh, I love that. So that's number one. Um, number two is that when she's, when we're talking about, you know, what, what she might like to do with her life or the types of things that are important, we just always are just always talking about, education and being intelligent and learning. So we just keep reinforcing that those are the things that you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, even though she's actually quite gorgeous, if I do say so myself. Um, but we try to make that like tertiary. Um, right. so that, you know, cause she does now that she's got some peer friends, she's, I've heard her say actually like, is my butt big and her body's like, she's thin. Yeah. Like, oh my God, what are you saying? Of course, your butt's not big. Your butt is perfect. But besides the point, forget about your butt and focus on your homework. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we just try to like let her know that that's not the, the important things in life. So that's it. And then there will be very soon sometime. Like she also, she's seen me take out my tampon. What is that? I tell her. Yeah. You know, we, we use the terms. I don't, I don't dumb anything down. If she yeah. has a question, I explain it, you know, why, why you don't have hair. It's like, so mommy likes the wax. Like, yeah. so <laughs> the questions like, so that they don't feel shame in asking questions. Um, and it's just very normal. Yeah. And that's huge because not so many people, like I was parented in a very, um, sheltered kind of way, but then on my grandparents' side, everything was very open. So my aunt wouldn't hide her body. Like the phone rang one time and she ran out of the, sh- the bathroom naked. And I was a little like, 
what just happened? But yeah. then I'm also like thinking about how my grandparents raised them. And I'm like, well, actually that's normal. Why am I shocked by this? Like I have a body too. It's just my aunt. It's nothing sexual. It's just a moment, you know, and these young kids, there's so many who are being raised as young kids, but in reality, we're raising young adults and they're the next generation of business and all of these types of understandings in life, you know, so it's, it's huge that we educate on that and don't run away from it. Um, when you were writing your book, what was some of the feedback that you were getting while all of it was coming together? Um, well, what I would, at first, I just didn't tell anybody, like there was a good while that I really didn't tell anybody, not even yeah. My husband, I told him I'm writing a book. It's about sex. And that's about all he knew. <laughs> um, just because I was a bit concerned, you know, I was also at the time working at a, you know, at a university that probably wouldn't have loved that. Yeah. Um, but over time, um, people just kept, I call you're writing a book. What's it about? I'm like, okay. So I just started telling people about it. And the feedback was always, um, Yes, because I was like, hey, listen, after the Me Too, don't you notice now the workplace is a bit fucked up? Like, we're all concerned about what we should say and what we should do, and it can't crack a sex joke. And I like, I like cracking sex jokes. Um, you know, but also noticing like some people do and some people don't. And even like everybody wanted this, especially, you know, HR policy at companies want this, we should do one, two, three according to policy and nothing else. Like everybody wanted a silver bullet solution to sexual harassment. Right. And I was but that won't work because you have to read people. You have to figure out where people's boundaries are. That actually takes a little bit of effort. Like mm -hmm. why am I getting all ready in the morning and do my hair and my face and everything if nobody can pay me a damn compliment? Yeah. Like you're thinking it, like I want to tell my colleague, you look great today. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to be creepy, like, hey, what, that's a nice package you got there, guy. I like or, that hemline. Get <laughs> your muscles or whatever, but you want to be able to tell people you're looking snazzy today. You Like, there's a way to do it that's not creepy. Right. Uh, but so then I just also felt like um, when I, so I have male mentors and, you know, most men are in decision-making positions. And if I want to build a relationship with them, um, that entails generally eating and drinking. That's kind of how we do things as humans. We break bread. Um, and so sometimes they're like, I don't know, should we go for drinks or dinner? I, are you okay with that? And I'm like, man, we gotta chill. Like, right? Oh, right. I'm okay with that. Because believe me, if somebody crossed the line, I would just tell them immediately. Like, either if they're like, where the line, like, fuck the fuck off. Um, I have no problem with that. Um, or you could just be nice. Like, Hey, I don't, you know, I don't fancy you that way, or I already have a boyfriend or I already have a girlfriend or whatever, but I still like you and let's hang out and be friends. Like there's, yeah. there's ways around that, but the guy, the men were very, were starting very uncomfortable. They're like, I don't want to get in trouble. Um, should we have like, if we're going to have a possibly conflictual conversation, maybe a negotiation or something, should there be a third party present? Um, you know, it's like, we're going to go to an event together. Should we take the same taxi? You know, do you want to come in my car or is that too weird for you? I'm like, oh man, this is like, this is, this has gone way far the other way. Well, and it kind of takes like the being human aspect out of things because as humans, we fail, we mess up our conversations and we learn from it. But when you have all of these rules and procedures in place, you kind of make those assumptions in your head beforehand and then you're just missing out on the whole interaction that helps you elevate your communication almost you know you got to make some mistakes so that so that and you have to teach the guys too like hey probably you shouldn't have said that i'm gonna let it slide this time but next time try to not say it like that say it like this yeah to the next or something like we have to they have to be taught mm -hmm. um you know and, and same for women it's not like women don't say inappropriate stuff either um, you know, we're, we're, we're not these, you know, um, you know, angels on a pedestal here, women, uh, fail and make mistakes too. But I just kept getting the same feedback from people like, yes, it's weird. Yes. It's uncomfortable. I'm so glad you're going to bring that to light because it, this seems like nobody's, nobody's, um, brave enough to talk about it because like, yeah, it sounds like I, like I have this one girl, um, you know, I, I was talking to her about a podcast and then she's like, actually, I looked at your stuff and I'm. She's like, I'm pro me too. 
like, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it's not way this way or way this way. <laughs> because I have, I have things to say about some results of the Me Too movement that aren't so great. Doesn't mean I'm anti Me Too. Like this right. is, this is a very binary way of thinking. Um, and, but people will think that, right. People will think, oh, she's like promoting sexual manipulation and she's anti me too, which is not the case at all. Um, but yes, so there, there was, that's why people thought like that I was, it seemed like nobody wanted to talk about it because nobody wanted to get, you know, risk, um, getting that type of feedback. Yeah, because I, I mean, some of like the the more extreme feminist groups I could see because there's a few episodes that I've done on the podcast where I'm like, oh, like if if the wrong person listens to this and like wants to contort it in a certain way, the message can definitely be like brought up in that light. But that's definitely not the intent. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's a thing. But, you know, it's I still felt like I literally felt compelled. Like mm-hmm. nobody else is going to say anything. OK, I'll do it. Well, yeah. And what I had noticed from this movement was a lot of extreme on this end of now women just don't need men at all. And that's not the case. Like we have to find the cohesive balance between everything. And there's a lot of men that women don't realize haven't had that role model in their life. So they're in these high status positions, but mentality and being mentored on compassion and things like that didn't really exist. So they're just on this strong masculine sense. Um, Like what type of situations like that have you noticed or has this been able to help with situations like that in your work? I mean, I've had, I've had so many conversations with so many great men who um, are concerned because it's never crossed their mind to sexually harassing women. It's just not like, and thinking that all men have it in them and that all men are like just on the edge of it um, is is also incorrect. And so there's this whole, they're all kind of getting thrown in the, in the, in the, like the bad bucket, right? Like- Yeah, it's, it's degrading in a way. It, it can be like, I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't men who are, are like that and are doing that. Of course there are, mm-hmm. um, but also, you know, sexual harassment isn't really even about sex. It's a power thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, and what people also don't realize is that there's a lot of power. It's not just like, oh, men are more powerful than women. Um, within the, the male sphere, they're like battling each other just as much, if not worse, right? And, and there's a lot of guys that don't want to subscribe to this masculine archetype you know, they're more on the emotional side. They're not big and muscular. And like, am I supposed to feel like I'm not, I'm less than a man because of this. And so they have their own, you know, they have their own body struggles, just yeah. the same. They have all of their own shame, just the same with sex, you know, performance um, in sex. Like they're, I mean, they got loads of their own issues. They're not all, you know, sitting in their, in their, you know, clubs with the whiskey and cigars in their hands celebrating their million dollar successes, right? This is, those are actually, you know, the rare case that your average guy um, isn't, isn't doing that. So it's like, how do we, yeah, we, we need to balance it, right? And, and I'm all for this advancement, obviously, and I'm all for getting women um, into, you know, male dominated sectors because not just because they're women, but because diversity is important right. and diversity is good for business. Um, cause you get different ideas and stuff. So it's, it's good, um, for, for many reasons, other than the fact that, you know, you should, can't just be, you know, all white men. Um, but you know, yeah, this whole, like women should run the world and the world will be so much better place. Um, if it's only run by women. And I would argue that that's very easy to say now, but we have no, no way of predicting that if women got up into these powerful, powerful positions, that they wouldn't also have a percentage of women who are scandalous and unethical and, you know, not good at their jobs. Like we haven't ever had a model um, to, to base that on. And so, you know, it's very easy from down here to say that if I got up there, I would act like this or that, but power corrupts. Yeah. Um, and it's it's easy to say There's I'm not know gender. <laughs> it, yeah, it is not a gender specific. Power corrupts people. 
Um, like you just, you don't, you don't know what it, what the world would look like um, if it were all what, run by women. So it's better if it's just diverse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I talk about sexual energy a lot in our podcast and kind of just tapping into, you know, what degree of the spectrum is your feminine and masculine. Some days you're going to be more masculine. Some days you're going to be more feminine. That's just part of life. It works for men and women in that sense. Um, but how would you describe sexual energy? Yeah, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even put a gender on it. I feel like it is literally, um, an energy source, um, that's running through your body. And I mean, it's, we can't ever know what I feel in my body is the same with, you know, if, if what he's feeling in his body, but what, what I know is that, you know, when you are crushing on someone, when you are thinking about sex, fantasizing about sex, looking at sex, having sex, all of that kind of stuff, you are generating in your body chemicals from your brain that give you real live energy. And this is a source that you can tap. Mm -hmm. um, there are people who um, sort of feel like I'm, I have a, a, an energy that feels feminine or I'm, I'm like, I would say if I was going to put myself on a spectrum like that, um, I have more male energy than mm -hmm. I'd say I'm not really a girly girl. Um, if you could, if you could say it like that. And even hormonally, I know that I have more testosterone and androgens than I do other feminine hormones. Um, but that's a chemistry thing. That's not a, that's my biology. Um, and there's not much, uh, you know, you could do about that. Um, you kind of born and everybody's born with like a mix, right? So yeah. when you see spectrum, like that is bang on, everyone's all flowing on the spectrum. Um, so if you think about a biology going kind of this way and, and your energy levels going vertically, right. Cause it kind of go like runs up and down your body. Yeah. The, the energy source. And this is what I think people can really tap. Get involved in. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, did you have like a defining moment in your career in which you were like, okay, this is a power that I can use. I'm starting to understand it. I wouldn't say a, a, a defining moment. It was more of like a gradual realization um, that, that over time, that part of my personality or characteristic is that I'm flirty, mm -hmm. uh, but that I, I can turn it off and turn it on depending on different situations, like levels. I can, I can have a knob. I can dial it up and yeah. dial it depending on like, like a little certain, dimmer switch <laughs> yeah, groups. that it's just not appropriate to do that, to do that with. Um, but I, I did notice over time that it just helped to, it actually helps to calm people and feel like there's a friendliness here there's something I, I'm bonding with you on something that um, is universal. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I started to realize that, yeah, there was no epiphany moment. Um, I, I can't say that, um, but I, I, I'd say I noticed it in my 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's just something that I, I, I never really, I noticed that some people did it and some people didn't. And, and that was okay. Cause it's like, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, but yeah, just, and I'd say when I started to get in my thirties and doing a lot more professional, uh, work that it just, it just was helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it, I mean, it's not like I ever, when, when people think about female sexual energy and they think about the femme fatale and the whole, she's going to manipulate, I never like offered sex in return for something. I never even alluded to it. This, this, this situation has never happened to me. Nobody has ever asked me. I've never offered. It's never, ever, ever, ever been like that. And I'm, I've literally interacted, you know, with thousands and thousands of people. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's also, I guess, a confidence that comes along with when you really own your sexuality and your sexual expression, you're super comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. um, then you're kind of like, like people just don't, they wouldn't, they don't, yeah. can't, you know, um, I own it. You don't, I'm in control of, of me. Um, and it's, it's very evident, um, yeah. of that people like it. People, it feels good because it's not that the energy doesn't stay in my body. It transmits. Yeah. People, it transmits. People feel good. And yeah. A lot of people forget how much we emit off of ourselves. Yes. And people want to be around people 
if you're, if you are creative and um, professional and respectful and smart and you deliver and you're fun to be around, like, and like, why it's like the perfect combination. Yeah. Why not use it? (laughs) Yes. I think that there it's been too long. And another historical artifact of, of calling women manipulative, um, because really, if we really, really had that type of power, wouldn't we be in up, you know, like if, if we really just manipulate men left, right, and center, wouldn't we be on the other side of things of the sexual harassment wouldn't exist, right? It's like, yeah. it just, when you think about it like that, how manipulative could we really be? We're obviously not doing a very good job. Well, and it's funny because there actually are women in those positions. It just doesn't get talked about it as much, but it does exist. Um, what are some things that you kind of do to help? Because it, it's, it's a personal awareness thing, you know? Like, I know if I'm being manipulative to someone, it's my choice to bring attention to it or not, or keep going with it or not, or kind of pull the brakes on it or not. Is there anything that you kind of do or, like, advice that you would give to people who are like walking the borderline of like, this could be manipulative. This could not, but how can I make myself not be on the manipulative side? I mean, right away, if you feel like you're being manipulative, then that's probably a signal that you might be. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's also like, what is the situation? Are you trying to get something out of that person? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you don't, you don't want to do it like that. It's, it's for the purpose of generating positive energy it's for the purpose of transmitting positive energy. It's for the purpose of building relationships. Um, if you're trying to exchange, if you're considering it a commodity, um, then, I mean, not to say in the adult industry, you know, it is a commodity. And if you're cool with that, that's also cool. And there's an understanding, right? Within the adult right, industry. Right, yep. <laughs> giving me money, that's, that's fine. Yeah. But in other situations where you're wondering, like, are you really doing things? Like, I, I don't know. I don't think, you know, you would know. One would yeah. know. It's like um, tapping into it and not pretending like you're not aware of it. Like you, but you shouldn't use it for manipulative purposes because mm-hmm. it, will, it will never go down well anyway, right? Mm-hmm. It's really about bonding um, with people, um, you know, and if what comes of that is good professional stuff, that's great. Um, but there should be like no discussion of exchange, nor no right. an exchange. It's not like, you know, I'll keep flirting with you if you, you know, give me that deal or I might go on a date with you. No. Yeah. Cause it's not a give and take it's I'm here for this business. Am I an asset to this or am I not? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I, yeah, I, the only advice is it's, it does boil down to intention so as long as you have, you know, the right intentions, then I wouldn't worry too much about it. Now there's also the perception on the other side, you can't control what people think. Right. Um, and so if, if you're getting feedback that, I mean, no one's going to say it directly to you. Like, Hey, I think you're sexually manipulating me. Um, I mean, chances are pretty slim. <laughs> <Somebody Right. laughs> um, but if you detect that, then you just might want to dial it back in case you you're not conveying what you're, what you're intending, but that's good communication. One on one, anyway. Right. So right off the bat, anything Something we could all be better at. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, because I'm sure with talking about this, the the topic of affairs pop up, and like people who are afraid that if you're having all of these very strong, powerful women in business what happens to the wives who are not strong and as powerful or, you know, like, do you have any comments on that type of world when that starts to come about? Um, do you mean like if there's women in business, um, and the fact that they're there, that they might have affairs with married men, Mm -hmm. um, are they married too, or are they always single? Well, see, yeah, that's the thing. Cause it's like, it, I don't know in the business world, there's so many times where I feel like men don't necessarily talk about the scandalous things that happen in the office. And then, so women at home hear something like this, where it's like sexual intelligence in the business, it comes off as a little bit scary. Yeah. It's like, Oh God, there's going to be all these, you know, well, I mean, that goes walking around. <laughs> um, I guess 
values and ethics. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when women started to enter uh, the workforce in like the 40s and 50s, the amount of um, affairs, uh, extramarital or just um, relationships at work increased exponentially, obviously, because if you put men and, and women or men and men, depending like what orientation you are, um, you put them in a room together. This is why you can't erase sex from the workplace. You put people in the room together. Someone's happen. Stuff happens. Um, mm-hmm. That's biology. That you, you're never going to get away with that. Now, um, depending on the type of, you know, there's a lot to be said about infidelity um, and why people cheat and, and all of that. And I encourage people to go listen to Esther Peril. She talks about it um, really um, really beautifully. She calls it erotic intelligence. Um, and there's a, I talk a bit about that in the book um, from her um, as well. But, you know, why people cheat. It, the fact that someone cheats as opposed to why they cheat um, is something that people don't like, oh, that person cheated. Well, now they're like a horrible, unethical person. Yeah, but you don't know what's going on at home. Right. With, other people's relationship and the fact that you also people have what's called a work wife or work husband um like i i have this um colleague i guess to call him um on the academic congress on love and sex as robots Mm um so he's the academic um um, on the board i call him my academic husband because you know we work closely together uh, and and he's the academic and i'm the business person um but people have work wives and work husbands because you're with them like all day. And some people have their work wife or their work husband or their colleagues and they go their whole career without ever getting together because it just wasn't there. So, right. you know, it's, that's very situational. People, people meet and there's something and they get together or they work together and they're just friends. Like it's all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. But for sure statistics are, don't lie. Like there is office relationships. There is people actually having sex at the office. Um, like, so that's all going to happen. If I, I, I mean, there's no having women in the workplace. Isn't, isn't like, you can't be like, I don't want women in the workplace because I'm at home and I'm, I'm a stay at home mom right. and I my husband's cheating on me. Like that's a bit of a ridiculous, um, not to say that that's, is not, it could happen. Yeah, it could right. happen. But there's not much you can do to prevent that other than, you know, locking up your husband. Right. Well, I think there's also, there's, there's like an, a section, because this book doesn't have to pertain just to business. Sexual intelligence is something that can be, you know, in all aspects of your life. So women cheat too, by the way, what women cheat too. It's not just like men oh, yeah. cheat on their wives, women cheat on their husbands, um, all sorts of combinations. So yeah, everybody's <laughs> yeah, it's it's all over the place. But I feel like almost the the self-esteem of like, oh no, I'm I want to lock you away because there's there's women in your business, things like that. Um, it's almost better to grasp your own sexual energy and figure out your own sexual intelligence if you're worried about your husband's strain because I, I mean, I'm one of those females who has been in a cheating relationship where I'm the one who's doing that. And my boyfriend, we were bartending when we met. And so there's all that flirting dynamic that goes on with your guests. That's how you make money with your flirting with your, you know, I would take the men, he would take the women. Um, now we've been together for about seven years. And it's like, there were some times where I'm like, she's flirting with you. This is annoying me. But then I had to kind of pull it back a little bit and be like, well, if I'm just being angry at you because she's flirting with you, it's more of a detriment to myself where if I were to tap into my own sexual energy and come at the situation differently, then that negativeness is almost removed, you know? So it's like blaming the women who have high self-esteem isn't where the blame needs to be. No, it's, it's where not, your self-confidence is. You might even question just monogamy as an institution altogether, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if, if so many people are cheating, maybe monogamy is not, I mean, right now it's pretty, it's pretty hard to not be monogamous and not get sort of, you know, um, looked at like it's taboo, right? So yeah. if you're not monogamous, you're kind of like, like, what are you weird or whatever? Um, you know, poly is not exactly normalized just yet or monogamish as they call it. So there's different people need to um, take a look at themselves and see like what, 
what composition of relationships is going to work best for me. If you're one who cheats often, it might mean not that you're um, an asshole, but that you might not be in the correct composition of, right. of relationship. And so then you would need to, you know, do something about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, which kind of the, comes back to the whole, like you said, it's an intelligence things. You actually have to think about these things. Yeah. Because it's along with kind of what society tells you, you really need to customize your own experience. Yeah. Because the American dream of the white picket fence being married this way and like having everything this way, like we're realizing doesn't work for us anymore. It's not the white picket fence. Like there's marriages where they're together for 20 years, but they've been cheating on each other for the entirety of their relationship and not one party, but both parties. And so it's like, where is the line of like, you can't make connections because we've committed to this, but does this make sense at all anymore? So it's just really interesting seeing everything flip over into, you know, like a new way of life, a new way of seeing yeah, we got to evolve, I think. Like, yeah, if it's not the answer for you, that's great. Go for it. But if it's not, then do something about it. Yeah, like there's so many conversations we're not having that can get us there. Yeah. Um, so why do you think people are afraid of seeing their sexual energy as something positive at work? It's it's exactly that whole manipulation and sexual harassment thing. It's, it's the fact that there's a dark side um, to it because there are people who use it to manipulate and there are people who use it for power. Um, and so there's that risk, right? But I kind of um, look at it like, okay, well, every time I get in my car, there's a chance I might get into an accident, my fault or otherwise. Every right. time I get on a plane, it, it might crash. So there's a sort of the same with, you know, data. Okay, data's great, internet's great, but then there's this whole privacy issue and people are using our data and nah, nah, nah. So with everything, nothing's perfect. Right. There are dark sides to things and you just have to figure out how to navigate that. But for some reason, people put sex and love and relationships into this different bucket, like as if they're, if, as if it's not, as if the rules are, don't apply to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all the same thing. And, and, you know, these days I find people are quite on autopilot and they just kind of like want to be told what to do um, and just do that one thing. Um, or just sort of follow the pack and whatever, you know, again, if that's, if that's what you want to do, that's great. But, um, what you will find is that it's, that's limiting and you really do have to take each situation on its own, each person on its own, get to know, you have to read the room. Where am I? What context am I in? Who are these people? And and all of that requires effort. Yeah. Lazy. (laughs) Yes. you have to put in effort um, yep. and then add maybe alcohol and drugs on top of that. Then you really have to put in some effort. Yeah. All these tools to bring us away from our awareness. <laughs> I mean, or make decisions. Like I, when I drink, I tend to get myself into these situations and therefore I should not drink. Like you have situation <laughs> about things and then right. yeah, you have to think. And that's the, that's the, probably the hardest part is the effort. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're realizing that everything's not so, you know, cut and dry. It's not so black and white. It's not so any of this. There's so many layers to every situation. Um, but yeah, you can't just remove, (laughs) remove the connection from the business at all. Um, so you, I heard that you're writing two more books because you're inspired. Yes. Um, so the next book is called the first time, uh, so far as working title, um, and I actually have a few academic collaborators. We're going to do like a proper academic study as well. Um, uh, talking to people about first time experiences. Mm-hmm. And so that could be, you know, the first time I had sex, first time I had oral sex, first time I orgasm. Um, and these stories can range from, you know, super beautiful or on my wedding night, or it was super awkward, or I got raped or, um, so it'll be, um, a barrage of different types of stories from as many diverse people as I can get um, from different cultures in different countries um, so that we can we can start sharing this. It's something, it's one of those things that people don't really talk about too much. They don't share these stories. Right. Uh, and I think that um, it will be interesting. What we're hoping is to glean insights on different types of um, initial experiences, how that informs 
how you approach and how you think about sex like over time. Um, and so, you know, we want to see if we can see trends, like mm -hmm. people who have these type of experiences tend to end up kind of over here. Um, so, um, so that, that's the, that's the next book. And this is, it's very fresh, but you know, we, we have started to discuss it and we're getting the outline and things like that. And then the next book after that, I want to do, um, basically a, a, a history of sex toys. Um, like really like way back thousands of years when they were like literally dildos were rock. Oh, wow. They shaped them into rocks. Like, yes. Um, and they had, you know, and over, over the centuries, there's been some very bizarre looking sexual contraptions, um, that people used. Um, I mean, think about way back when medically what people did, you know, with electric shock therapy and they used to like bleed people out, like right. you what kind of sex toys they came up with back then. Right. Um, so a history from then up until now, up until sex tech, like it's all very getting very sexual or sorry, very technical now. Um, and I just find that super interesting. So I, I would like to do a history of it and then maybe even turn it into a coffee book table or something. Yes. Really cool. Like it. what? Yeah. It's going to be fun. That's awesome. Um, so one other thing I did want to ask, cause I, Oh, excuse me. Um, I saw one of your pictures that I posted today and it was the topic of, of, do we, are we sexist towards men? So I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Cause I've, you know, you're, you're in the business world. So you see it on a very professional degree. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, I got inspired. I read an article, um, which I also attached, um, to that post. Um, yeah, I think, I think we, we kind of are, um, when I say we, I mean, everyone, mm -hmm. um, like I said, you know, assuming that all men are, are sexual predators, um, you know, that a lot of men are, are feel like they don't measure up to these. Like when you look in video games or movies, like the, the, the type of, of men that are portrayed as heroes and stuff when, you know, that's also not representative in the same way the the women in porn are not, this is not representative of real life. These right. also aren't representative, you know, not all guys, um, you know, have a nine inch cock. Um, not all women want that either, right. um, but it's, you know, so I, I think that they are, they are subject to, um, a lot of that these days, um, as well. I mean, not in the, not with the same implications, certainly not, right. um, you know, end result of sexual harassment, but nonetheless, I, I still think it's troubling. Um, I think that we, we want to sort of pull back from these extremes and kind of come together in the middle here. Um, also right now, men feel like they don't have a voice at all. Um, mm -hmm. the argument to that is, well, you've had a voice for pretty much the entire history. So shouldn't you maybe not have a voice for a little while? Mm, you know, it, right. not so sure about that either. Like we should really be more of a collective, um, mm -hmm. together thing. I don't think we solve problems by, you know, men feeling like I have to shut up. I can't say nothing. Cause if I say something, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm a sexist. I'm anti-feminist. I'm, I'm, I'm whatever, but I, I still have my struggles too. Right. So mm -hmm. this is, this is really, um, I think it's problematic. And I also think it will literally impede progress on both yeah. sides. Yeah. I'm excited for your book my first time, because I feel like there's a lot of men who have had sexual experiences being extremely young that have impacted the way they see sexuality, the way they see women, the way everything is kind of evolved in their sexual world. Um, and that's not something that ever gets talked about for men. I was reading somewhere where they were talking about um, all of the things that feminist groups do for women, but what is there for men who have these issues that they're dealing with. They don't have anyone very, to talk to. They're, they're there, but they're very few. Mm -hmm. um, and very on the down low for, for, for good reasons. And now the argument to that would be, well, they've had their own, the men's club, the boys club. That's, that's every bar and every restaurant and every workplace from, you know, 1920s prior. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a point to that, but that doesn't mean you should completely shut them, right? But I almost feel like it's a little bit of, of masking in those because you have men who have masks on teaching men 
And yeah. so those masks are getting. Yeah. Yeah. Like down. I, when I got, I just have this image of, you know, those dark mahogany whiskey bars with the cigars and everything like, yeah, they're all showing off to each other. They're all bullshitting to each other. They're not sitting there talking about, I have erectile dysfunction. What right. Right. Or, or I couldn't, you know, I couldn't please my partner last night. What do you do? Like that, this is not happening, right? Or right. You know, I, my my wife is emotionally abusive to me. I don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they they have a also they have a whole bunch of of issues that they have very little resources, um, and that's actually reflective in the statistics of men's depression um, and suicide rates. Like yeah, I I could see that. Wow. Um, do you have anything else that you want to share on? Oh, I wanted to ask you, what, what are the second order consequences of Me Too movements? Yeah, that's just a really fancy term for saying like, you know, the Me Too movement had a great purpose of yeah. bringing light, um, you know, cases and awareness um, and all of that. But the second order consequences as a concept is something that um, it happens actually on there's also third order fourth order it's sort of like oh i'm gonna go do this thing um and then you do it and then you realize oh shit that has a another impact of it that i didn't realize like oh great it's great that everybody you know has cell phones and that we get oh yeah i got a new version you know every two years but people also didn't really think about what are we going to do with all of these cell phones that go into the trash. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's sort of like that type of thinking where there's other consequences that happen. That's sometimes hard to foresee most, especially if you don't sit down and actually try to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very, it's a better strategy that when you are going to do um, something major that you might want to think about. Um, but I mean, me too movement was, it was not like a team of people doing something, right? It just kind of like- It just just blew up. Right? Um, But the second order consequences are of this, now this sticky environment, people are confused, you know, the the how to to deal with it, how to navigate it, sex in the workplace, trying to eliminate, women's advancement, you know, if I can't have a meeting with a a guy or I have to have a a closed or open door meeting um, or, and there was actually, like there were places in businesses where men are like, I, I know I, I want to hire women and I know I should hire women, but I'm afraid to hire women because it might cause some issues and I yeah. don't want issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, then there's this whole, well, is she a feminist? Cause I'm, I might be scared of that. And um, so that's the second order consequences of, of the Me Too movement is sort of um, brought out this other forms of thinking um, like there's something called the Mike Pence rule where mm-hmm. he wouldn't go to a, a cocktail without his wife. Like if there's alcohol served, wife must be present. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're going on a, um, on a business trip on an airplane, can't sit beside each other. You can't have a hotel room on the same floor. You can't. Um, so that it's all of a sudden, like oh, you can't go out for dinner and that, that really affects um, uh, women's advancement in business. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes wonder if the Me Too movement got blown way out of proportion and was instead supposed to be something to just help women sort of pull together a little bit more and have more awareness in the business place. But then it got turned into like all of these excruciating details. Is it about money? Is it, is she the victim? Is she lying? Like it just kind of turned into this like reality TV show excitement, like these big men in power, when they get called out for these things happening, they get paraded, you know? And it's like, there's so much lost in what we could be learning from this. And instead we're almost having like a circus show around it on look what happened. But the thing is, is these are real people's lives. Like someone really was tragically hurt or it was a tragic power move. And I feel like when we're just throwing all these details out and exhausting all of that and not finding solutions instead on how to better behave, then we're distorting the message. Um, but I love your book or like, I haven't been able to read it, but I love the concept behind it because it's like giving you something to go with. It's not just here's what happened. Here's how it's going. (laughs) I mean, it's, I mean, you're, you're right on many aspects. It's did to get a bit of a circus. Um, and then people, stop kind of taking it seriously and start eye rolling and whatever, which you don't want. 
But I mean, with without it going viral, it really did have a super positive impact in the sense of um, bringing the awareness to a global scale, which is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, getting laws changed, like laws yeah. change about that. So it's literally illegal um, now. Um, also, there's been a very long history of women not being believed um, mm-hmm. in rape and harassment cases. Um, but then of course, like I said, there's a dark side to everything. Um, there will be, and there have been those very rare cases where she is lying. And then Mm -hmm. that, that taints everything. And then at the same time, men should be prosecuted for sexual harassment. Everybody should be prosecuted if you are a sexual harasser to the full extent, but also, you know, the, the law is supposed to be like innocent until proven guilty. And the media, like, as soon as a guy has allegations, it's over. Like yeah. whether, whether it, it, whether he did it or not, it almost doesn't matter. Um, chances are he did. Um, but for the, for the percentage of people that it, it didn't go like that, or it was a misunderstanding or something else like, yeah, right away, the media and the public opinion, like he's guilty. He's, right. he's good. Um, and so both of those things aren't good. Both right. of those are happening. Um, that's kind of, those are such big, large issues that it will take time mm-hmm. to sort of, I don't know if they'll ever get ironed out, but they, that's, that's something that needs to get tackled and, and people are tackling it to be fair. Um, that's not very flashy in the media. It's like the cases get flashed, not the, the people sitting around a table making policy and stuff. Yeah. The solutions. <laughs> yeah. But I do feel like as a, also why I really wanted to write this book is because there was like a lot of what, like here is what is sexual harassment and everybody, you know, you should change behavior, but nobody right. really, everybody like, how do I do that? Exactly. Right. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does that look like? How do I actually do that other than just shutting up? Yeah. Yeah. And self-empowerment is a huge part of it. And that's why I love that that's incorporated because we, we need self-empowerment, we need self-awareness, and then we need accountability. And I feel like as long as we hold those, you know, somewhere in it, everything will sift where it needs to be. But it's, it's an individual thing. You know, you can't force yeah. people to have that about them. You can only encourage them to. Yeah. Um, I feel like women got to speak out. Yeah. You have to speak out. And mm-hmm. the problem is, is that most women won't because there's consequences which I get. It's like, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to get, I don't want to go in the media. I don't, I don't, I don't, but it's, it's the only way Yeah. people actually like, you can't, how else is this person supposed to get stopped and prosecuted? Mm -hmm. And were there moments before it got to that in which you could have spoke up in a lighter sense that would have prevented it from getting all the way there later on down the road? On one in the very beginning. Or if you're in an environment where that's happening, fucking leave. Like, yeah, job. Like, is it really that? Like, that place is the only place on the planet you can work. Right. Go get a job somewhere else. Yeah. Um, now I'm talking it at higher sort of levels. I'm not talking about, um, uh, you know, minimum wage um, jobs of of everyday folks where they might not be able to be able to get a job somewhere else. That 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 option isn't as available. I'm talking about sort of the, the higher echelons of, you know, people working at the Cuomo office, mm-hmm. the, the, the senator, the New York senator. Like yep. if it like that and you saw it, go get a job somewhere else. Like yeah. don't be, put yourself in that environment. Yep. We're, we're a product of what we allow. And I think the compound effect of what we've been allowing is now showing itself. And we're like, oh, this is a mess. <laughs> Yeah, it is a mess. It is a mess. And then it always feels like women are like, well, why is the onus on me to get a different job? Why is the onus on me to speak up? I know, super shitty, but tell me an alternative. Well, and it's like, find find empowerment in speaking up. Find the pleasure in, in having those moments in which you're like, I feel good about what I said and I yeah. stand by it. Yeah. No, we need more of that in the world. Definitely. Well, I, I love what you do. Um, where can people find you? Um, well, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Um, not a fan of Facebook, so don't find me there. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> um, the book is on Amazon. I have a website, 
www.sexualintelligenceandbusiness.com. Go figure. Um, so it's just the title of the book, but yeah, hit me up. Is it um, available outside of Amazon? I, I hate Amazon. <laughs> um, it is. It's on Indigo as well. Okay. Yeah. Just through like regular bookstores. Um, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of your time today. I love everything that you're doing and I'm definitely going to be getting the book as well because it's, it's exciting that women are stepping up and are like, okay, like we need to empower ourselves. We need to band together and, you know, rule the world, but not just women. It's men and women. It's all of us. It's, it's people. (laughs) Humans. Humans. Yes. Humans. I love it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. You can find more from Bobby on sexualintelligenceinbusiness.com. She also has Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to pick up a copy of her book and be on the lookout for her other books that will be coming out in the near future. I love you guys. I will talk to you all next week.